Yeah. Let's talk to our agent. Uh, how many are in this room were here last week and, and, and heard the lesson? How many, are, how many were visiting for the first time last week and are here again for your second time? So all new bunches. Okay, we scared them off. We scared them off. Jesus scared them away. You know, we're having this uh, first principles because there's a lot of things to know in the Bible. But we have to always start with the very first principles of what the Bible teaches to help you gain a relationship with God, and then maintain that relationship with God. So we call this First Principles, and part of that series is going through Bible studies that lead on, that one that build on each other. So the first one was like the Word of God, or seeking God, and then you have the, the, the Kingdom of God, with what's that? Uh, we had discipleship last week, and today I'm going to do light and darkness. This is a doozy. Okay, if you are... If you are not sure how to get into a relationship with God, this is the study to pay attention to. This is how someone actually gets into a relationship with God Almighty. The Creator and the created are going to be one in spirit. And this is how it's done. So if you're, if you're, if you're ready, let's uh, go and get into our study. The very first scripture is in 1 Peter chapter 2. And gives us insight into the concept of light and darkness. Peter writes to the Christians who are being persecuted throughout the countries that they lived in and the areas where they lived. He says, look, don't forget, you're a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. A people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness and into His wonderful light. Once you were not a people... But now you are the people of God. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Um, There is a a very specific phrase here. Out of darkness into light. In God's view of life and the world and spiritual things, there are right and wrongs. God sees things as right and wrong and sometimes black and white. Where He speaks, it's very clear. Some areas he doesn't really talk too much about. He gives us the freedom to decide and discern what should we do. But in spiritual uh, worlds that he lives in, it's light or it's darkness. And so usually people are on one side or the other. Either you're in darkness or you're in light and there's a wall that, uh, that is in between you. But he makes a note here. He says, in the darkness, people are not the people of God. They receive no mercy. They are lost spiritually. They are not a Christian and disciple. We learned last week they're the same thing. So they're not any of those. So if you felt last week, I'm not, a, I'm not a Christian, you're most likely in the darkness side. But have no fear. Because God wants you to get into the light. So if you feel like you're not sure, there's no gray area. There's just light or dark. No matter how close I get to this wall, and if this, is, this room is filled with darkness, no matter how close I get to this wall, I'm still in the dark. I can try to scratch I can try. I have to get this wall to come down. On the light side, on the other side, they are called the people of God. They are. They do receive mercy. They're they're saved sinners, of course. They're Christian and disciple. So that's the concept: light and darkness. And so the principle of how we come to this conclusion is in Isaiah fifty nine in the Old Testament, God was dealing with His people who are swaying, are swaying from the light to the darkness. And so he kind of gives this humorous uh, uh, little, little scripture for us. I always think it's funny because it says, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save. In other words, God doesn't have alligator arms. He's not like, I wish I could reach you, but I can't cut you. He's not like, oh my gosh, there's Veto. I, I can't reach 
was so sorry. His arm is long enough to reach Veronica. It's long enough. The, the problem is not he's, not, he's got short arms. He's not Chaparro. Nor is his ear too dull to hear. It's not like he's like, oh, what'd you say? He's not this old father time up there going, what was that? What was someone praying to me? Someone called? He's not. He's very, he can hear very well. God's got great ears. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. And we have this analogy here with this little illustration. There's darkness and there's this wall. And this wall is, what is the sin that arises in our life that blocks us from having a relationship with God. The sin stops us from getting into the light. Amen. So this sin, this wall here, if, if man wants to get to God, this wall has to come down. But the question is, how does the wall come down? How do we break the wall of sin so we can have a relationship with God? And when, once light comes in the darkness, it consumes the darkness. When I turn on the light switch in my kitchen, it, it consumes the whole kitchen, and that little cockroach is like, oh my gosh, he's running away. And then I have to track him down and not tell Karen about it, because she'll, she'll freak out. So there's, a, there's, there's an illustration is, hey, there's darkness, and in this darkness are good people. They just don't know. They're ignorant. They lack knowledge. They lack someone sitting down with them and showing them the Bible. And they're good. And they raise their kids and they, they believe in doing right. They can still be in darkness. It's not just the people who do evil or or, or inclined to, to commit crimes. No, no. There are many people in darkness. And there are many people in the light. But we're trying to get from darkness to light. So if you're if you're not a disciple, if you're not a Christian, you're most likely in the darkness. So we want to help you. Getting to the light. This, this, this Bible study is not to condemn, it's to enlighten, it's to build you up, it's to make you aware. Aren't you, aren't you uh, so grateful when you're in the mall and you, and you only got a few minutes? You want to know where the Apple Store is? You're like, where am I at? It's a new mall. And you go to that directory, it's got three little sites to it. You're like, who wants advertisement? Give me the directory. And in the directory, you're looking for one thing on the directory. There's one thing you're looking for. You know, you see all these numbers and all these little drawings, but you want to know one thing. Where is that little yellow sticker that says, you are here. And once I know where you where I'm standing in the mall, I can get to the store right away. And all these studies are here to do is to help you find that yellow sticker that says, you are right here. Now, that's where you got to go. So when you think of this study, don't feel guilty. Feel like you're, giving, you're, you're being given knowledge and you're given truth to lead you to God. So in Romans 3, 20, uh, 22, there's a principle here. It says, There is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by His grace. Through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ, God presented Him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in His blood. The key thing being, there is no difference, for all have sinned and all fall short, short of the glory of God. What does that mean? It means, well, person A over here, which we're going to call... Um, we're going to call that Roland since he's new. We don't really know him that well, so he probably doesn't really sin that much. His sin is very small. He seems like a very nice guy. He's an engineer. Very nice guy. Okay, then there's a, there's a little bit bigger one. So we're going we're gonna to say, you know, we've known John Norton for a while. We're realizing, wow, he's, he's, he sins a lot, and he's been around a little while, and been in a long Christian law. That's a, that's a lot of sin there. And then there's, there's person C, which we'll call affectionately Steve Burns. LAUGHTER 
Steve. And you can imagine Steve. You can imagine Steve as a non-Christian. You could no, no doubt he had the largest mound. There's no doubt about it. Okay. So the principle is: for all have fallen short of the glory of God, let's all look down on Steve because he has the worst of sin. Mm. That's not how God views it, though. But that's how we view it, not. Oh yeah. Like, oh, that guy is shady dark. He's definitely not going to heaven. Now, in God's eyes, no one is the furthest from God. They're all the same distance. Whether Steve did things that are atrocious, or that Roland stole a quarter from his mother, but the consequences are a little different. If person C kills someone, and, and person A steals money, it's the same sin. Now the consequences are going to be different. Person C is going to be in prison for a very long, long, long time. He won't see his family a lot. Okay, but person A, he just may his mom may lose trust, may lose some trust in him. Not that. So the consequences are are going to be different. But the sin, no one is further from God. So whether you did very little or did very lot, in God's eyes, the wall comes up, and it's darkness. So that's why we need grace. That's why we need to believe in the blood of Jesus to forgive us our sins. Right. So here's what actually sins look like. There's the outside sin. We're going to take a look at Steve's. Steve here? You're going to look at his outside sin. He's a, Steve is an outside sinner. Okay? <laughs> Roman looks like an inside sinner. He's kind of quiet. He's kind of nice, you know? So whether you're that personality, you're quiet, or you're like Steve and Gregarious, there's sins on both sides because the sin is everywhere in our life. We can't get rid of it. So here's the outside sin. Uh, it says the acts of the sinful nature, nature are obvious. I mean, you see them clearly. Sexual immorality. Impurity. Things that are, again, things that you're having relationships with people that are not your, 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 your husband. They're not your wife. You're having relations outside of marriage. That includes any kind of heterosexual and homosexual. It does not matter. It's still a, a glaringly obvious. And debauchery and overindulgence in something. Oh, you're workaholic. You work too much. You're playing PS4 too much. You're, these are the things that are, that are obvious and they take you away from God. Idolatry, not putting God first. Witchcraft, that can be as like simple as a Ouija board or, or a tarot card or, or a palm reader. Hatred, uh, wanting to inflict harm or have inflicting harm. Fighting someone physically. It includes abortions. It includes physically harming a, a, someone else. Discord, you know, always being argumentative, not getting along. Always wanting to be right. Jealousy. Fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, and little little groups within a group are going, hey, we don't like that, what's going on, so it's not good, let's, let's, let's rise to the truth. And there's factions, you know, terrorists are called factions too, but there's factions and groups that are always trying to, to pull away from a group within a group. Envy and drunkenness and orgies, meaning it could be anything from sexual orgies to just being a wild, debaucherous, drunken orgies. It could be anything. And it says, and the like. Anything that he's missed that's obviously glaring, like cheating and stealing and lying, those are obvious things. It's obvious. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. I didn't make the slide, but I will quote it for you because I've memorized the scripture. <laughs> I have to read this over and over again. So this is the outside <laughs> sin. So you may be going like, wow, I'm in that list. And then some of you are going like, that's not me, man. I'm doing pretty good so far. So now let's go to the inside. (laughs) Let's go to the inside. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. Mm. I need to take care of first. Lovers of money. It's hard to see a lover of money, huh? 
Yeah. You know, we're not all nosy, like, hey, how much you got on your wallet? It's, it's like, oh, I love money. Only I, you, only you know when you love money. Mm-hmm. When you're mad you let someone borrow money and he didn't pay you back, you're like, oh, we're not friends no more. You can be a lover of money. Boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents. Even the teens can't escape this. Yep. Ungrateful, unholy, without love, not loving, not being loving. Unforgiving. There is someone, someone in my life I will never, I will never forgive. Them. Unforgiving. Because yeah. it's, it's a heart issue. Slanderous. Without self-control. Brutal. Not lovers of the good. Treacherous. Rash. Conceited. Meaning you, you think you got, you know everything. I, I know everything. I'm awesome. <laughs> lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God. Having a form. Of godliness, they almost look the part. They almost, when you see them, they just look spiritual because the sins are on the inside. Unlike the other one, where it was on the outside, these are more hidden. But God knows them, and you know them. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power, have nothing to do with them. God takes sin very seriously because God has to deal with sin at judgment day. At the end of your life, God has to hold you account for your own life. So he has to righteously deal with sin. And that's why the cross was so important. Because when Jesus died on the cross, God was dealing with sin of mankind once and for all. For those who believe and follow Jesus. He took his wrath out on Jesus. Imagine if you weren't in Jesus. And Jesus went to the cross and how brutal that was. There is a judgment coming, not to scare you, not to frighten you, not to scare you to follow Jesus, because it doesn't work that way, but more to give you the reality that God is a fair, righteous judge. He doesn't want anyone to perish. So if you're here, you have the secret knowledge more than anybody else about what the Bible says about sin, and it's outside sin, and it's inside sin. And so, uh, and Paul writes in Romans about what God feels about sin is this. It's the wages of sin, meaning a wage is something you earn, like a minimum wage. You, the wages of sin, what you earn for sin, is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Death meaning permanent separation from God. You are permanently, what you get for, for what you've earned of a sinful, un, undealt with sin of life, at the end of your life, your, your, uh, your result is... That you have permanent separation from God. But on the other hand, the gift of God is eternal life. You can't earn it. You just got to accept it. He gives you a Amen. gift in life in Christ Jesus. That's awesome. So again, light and darkness we're dealing with here. So that was kind of the darkness part. And I'm, I'm, I'm sorry if it scared you. But sometimes you need a little dose of the Bible to kind of go, where am I really at? Where's that yellow sticker? Am I here? Am I on the darkness side? If I do, I don't really like it on this side. I want to go to the light side. I want to become a Jedi Knight, right? Right? I want to be a Jedi. I want to be with the good. And so now we're going to look at passages on how to get into the light part of the spiritual world. How to get in the light and have a relationship with God. And we're going to talk about that wall that has to come down. So in John 3 in the Gospels, there was a Pharisee who he thought he was in the light and realized when he heard Jesus, he's really in the dark and he goes to Jesus and, he was, and he's there at nighttime. His name was Nicodemus. He was a member of the Jewish ruling council. 
He came to Jesus at night. Do you, you know why he came at night? Because no one was around. None of his peers were around. He's like, I can't come to you during the day. My peers will see that I'm coming to you. And he said, I can't do that. So we call him Nick at night. He <laughs> said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. So that's interesting he would say born again because Nicodemus is under the understanding that you are born physically into the Jewish nation and therefore, just by that birth, you belong to God. Automatically. You ever thought, you ever, you ever people say, I was born a Christian. I was born a Catholic. Okay, so he's addressing this idea that you're born into something. How can a man be born when he is old? Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. His mother wouldn't like that either. <laughs> of course, Nicodemus wouldn't like it, but his mother would not. Who would want? I just got this out. I can't go back in. So what's the answer? I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born of water and the Spirit. And all the moms were like, thank God. Flesh is given birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. I knew in my life that I was thought I was born a Catholic, raised a Catholic, went to the church, did all the great things, altar boy. I thought that was, I was like, I'm good. And there's one sin that made me realize, I didn't need the Bible, there's one sin that I knew was if you committed, you're done. It's over. Thanks for coming out. It was a good run. It was one of those moments. And that was, the, that was the sin of hatred. And I had it, but I didn't know, didn't know that I had it. See, when you have an abortion, it's an act of hatred. Although we try to make it nice and say, well, it's, it's, in, it's, in, it's an inconvenience. I'm too immature. I can't handle it this time. That was my thinking. And when I met the scriptures, it's defined as hatred inflicting harm on another. So that potential woman or girl, or boy that was in my girlfriend's womb was murdered and killed by me. Because I condoned it. I pushed it. I brought the idea. I made it happen. I, did, I drove there. These are things that I knew where it was mortally wrong to do. Mortally wrong. And there's some things that we have in our heart that we know like, wow, that I, messed, I messed up. And so for me, I didn't know what to do. All I know driving home that day was I'm not going to heaven. I knew that for sure. And just two weeks after that abortion that took place, that murder, that act of hatred, I, was in a, I happened to be in a biology class that semester. And the teacher had the little fetuses in the jars. And he was going on and on about how, you know, at this point, you know, they have this and eyes and heartbeat and, you know, and I was like, well, where's the seventh week? Well, what's going on? And I was asking, well, what's the seventh week like? And he began to explain that his eyes, it, can, it knows its surroundings, it's aware. And at that moment, I just knew my heart was just, I am finished. I felt unsavable. If you're Latino, you know what that means. Like, no one can save me. 
No one. I mean, you want to like just jump off the cliff. You want to die. So all I had to do was just to drink myself and obliterate the memory. So I would go on and drinking and drinking and drinking just to forget. And every time I more, the more I drank, the more I thought about it. And the more I thought about it, the more I cried. So I'm like, ah! my mom's like, well, ¿Por qué está llorando? Why are you crying? And I'm like, I can't tell anybody. I didn't know what to do. I had no clue what to do. And then a disciple came up to me and said, would you like to study the Bible? And guess what I said? Oh, no, I'm Catholic. I'm good. I'm solid. I'm all right. That's it. He kept saying, but have you read the Bible? No, 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 I haven't read it. I'm Catholic. The man reads it. I listen. Although I was dying inside, I was hurting. I knew what I did wrong. Here's a disciple trying to... I mean, he could have walked away and I would have never became a Christian. But this disciple, he was like un, uncommon valor. He kept going, but have you opened it? I said, I told you, man, I'm Catholic. He goes, have you really? Goes, have you actually opened it? I go, whoa. Whoa. This guy opened the Bible. And I, I was so impressed. Because Catholics, we don't open the Bible. The guy opens the Bible, we just listen. So when he opened it, he goes, have you read this? And I'm like, no, I haven't read that. And if he hadn't kept pushing and asking and probing, because what I would have done, oh, he's not open, I'll walk away. Because I was hurting and he had no idea what was going on. All I, all I was going like, this is odd that some guy came up to me. But it was a different religion, so I was not open. But he kept being persistent and he shared this passage. Interesting. He did discipleship, and we sat down again. And when he shared this passage about being reborn, because I told him I was Catholic and I was bad as a baby, he showed me this passage. I said, "Oh my gosh, is this could this be it? I've never even read that." So we all have a certain amount of knowledge about our own darkness, even though nobody may know it. We know it for ourselves. So that's why this passage is so powerful. And then, what, what you have to believe about before, you're, before you, you enter this relationship with God, there are things that you need to believe. And this is the very first sermon that Peter had preached uh, in, in, in the book of Acts. The very first one ever. In the sense of the New Testament. He says, outside of Jesus, of course, the, uh, the Acts of the Apostles, of the church being started. He says, men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourself know. Number one, you have to believe that Jesus came from God. Amen. He came, he is key, he was brought here to earth by God. Number two, that he was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death. By nailing him to the cross. You have to believe that you also are responsible for the death of Jesus because he died for your sin. That's the second thing. And thirdly, it says, but God raised him from the dead. What? Freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Thirdly, you have to believe that Jesus resurrected physically from the dead. Three things. He came from God. You're partly responsible. Yeah, they physically did it, but our sins also did it. And thirdly, that he rose from 
the dead. This is how we enter the light. We have to have some set, some, some uh, uh, certain knowledge of what we're doing. So this was the first lesson uh, from, the, from the apostles after Jesus dies and resurrected. This was the lesson that was given to the very first church. Remember, remember all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So don't feel like you're the only one. Everyone has sinned. Everyone is responsible. So this is their response to that understanding. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? There was a cutness. Their heart was pricked. Their heart was, Whoa! I'm responsible? I wasn't there, but I realized that my sin put them there? There's a cut. You feel that. It's not, it's not to guilt you out. It's to expose your heart to feel like, man, I killed the Messiah. I'm responsible for that. And so their question was, what shall we do? Once they believed, they wanted to know what to do. Get that? Once they believed... They wanted to know what to do. So it's not just that they believe, and that's it. I believe. Jesus died for me. I'm good. No. This is what they did. And Peter says to them, repent, which means to turn. You heard it this way? Turn. And be baptized. It means immersed. Not dribbled, not sprinkled, but immersed underwater. Immersed. Fully, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins. It's controversial in Christianity today. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You know, sometimes you hear people like, when you get the Holy Spirit, oh, I got it when I was in church one day, and it came on me, and I spoke another language. No, no. The Bible says, when you're baptized, you get the Holy Spirit. It dwells within you. So, if you're in church right now, and, and, and four years ago, you got the Holy Spirit somehow in church, and you, went and, you, and you got up and said, I believe in Jesus. This may shock you. This may confront you. This may expose you that you may have followed a teaching of man, and not the teaching of God. The promise is for you, Peter goes on, and your children, and for all who are far off, All the guys think, I'm unsavable. You can't say, I've done too much. For all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, He warned them and He pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted His message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to the number that day. Now I want to explain that. This was the very first church service, in a sense. It was, a, it was a festival, and Peter spoke the very first preaching. And this is specifically what the very, out, out of the gate, how the church started, that was the teaching. This is how it started. So anything after this must support what Peter was doing. Because God's not a God of confusion. So that means what, Pete, what, Pete, what Paul wrote later on has to support that because God wrote the Bible. What Peter says many years later, has to support his own sermon. Sometimes ministers can go back on, on their own word. It happens. 
Because, but God doesn't. God's word is clear. So this is the premise of the whole teaching of how to enter a relationship with God. And we're going to find out if Paul supports it. And we'll see if Peter still holds on to the same teaching. Let's take a look. Peter and Paul, they have to teach on the, on the believing and being baptized. Let's see if this is true. Because these are two different guys with two different strong personalities. Paul was no like slouch. No, he wasn't. Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And Peter was no slouch either. He was big time. And the keys of the kingdom. That is correct. <clears throat> so Paul writes in Romans, because this is God-inspired word, he writes to the Roman church, what shall we say then? Shall we go on cities so that grace may increase? By no means. We die to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who are baptized into Christ were baptized into His death? Huh? What? So Peter just said, repent and be baptized. And then he said, let's, let's do it. Then Paul writes later on and gives us a little more insight into the baptism. He says, don't you know that you're baptized into Christ? You're baptized into a death? So if you're, if you're around Peter, we're like, wow, I'm, I'm sure glad I did that. Man. I was, I'm glad I responded. Paul is giving more insight into what it meant. He's not changing the teaching. He's giving you more insight. And what he's saying is this. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Amen. And here's a little diagram. Jesus, okay, I don't think you can see it very well. There's a cross there. He dies and He's resurrected. This is our old life. We die with Christ. We're buried in baptism. And we're raised to a new life. Amen. That's what Paul is following up on the first teaching of Peter. He's saying, you know what? Be baptized. It's not just this, you know, we just get baptized for an outward sign of inward grace. We are participating in the death, burial, and resurrection so that we too may live a new life. So what he's saying is, your life becomes new when you come out of the water. But wait, I thought my life was new when I just believed. No, that's the, you need to believe and be immersed. A new life. This is a new teaching, Gio. Please tell me more. Okay, I will. <laughs> then Peter writes later on about a letter again to Christians who are being persecuted. He, say, he reminds them of, of what it meant to be special. He puts them... He was put to death, talking about Jesus, in the body, but made alive by the Spirit, through whom he also went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison who disobeyed long ago. His father, that's just kind of cool insight. So, so Jesus, when he died, he went down into Hades. And he proclaimed to the spirits who were there when Noah was around. And when Noah was being persecuted for those hundred years of building the ark, why are you doing that? He went down to those folks and said, ah, ah, ah. Noah was right. And dropped the mic and walked off. (laughs) He went down to proclaim to those spirits who disobeyed long ago. And he's saying that because the Christians were being persecuted. He's saying, don't. Noah was persecuted too. Hang in there. Because Jesus went down into Hades and He proclaimed to them. So don't give up. And as God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built, 
In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through the boat. Were saved through the ark. Were saved through their belief. Were saved because they obeyed. They were saved through the water. And this water symbolizes baptism that saves you also. This water symbolizes baptism that saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body. You just can't get a little shower. You just can't be going, I'm going to... That's why we don't push guys off the pier in Ventura. We don't just push them off and get the dirt off of them. You're dirty. No. You have to believe something, right? You have to know. You have to have knowledge. The pledge of a good conscience toward God. People that are sincerely looking for God. If you seek Him with all the heart, you'll find Him. It. What is the it? Baptism. How does the baptism save you? I thought it was a work. Baptism is a work. You get baptized. It's, you're working for yourself. He says, this baptism, it saves you by... Oh, the resurrection of Jesus. Oh, is that not what Paul said? Resurrected to a new life? Peter and Paul are on the same page because God wrote the Bible anyway. And he has two different writers who are are stubborn and hard-headed. You got two stubborn guys in the same room, they will not agree. No, no, my point. No, because it's God's Word. What they're saying fits like a glove. Fits perfectly. Romans 6 verse 1. So in Galatians, Paul writes another one. He says, hey, don't forget, Christians, you're all sons of God through faith in Christ. It's not just not believing, you're just getting baptized. You have to believe. You have to be sincere. You have to have a good conscience. For all of us who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. When do you get the clothes? When do you get new duds? You don't go to Ross like I didn't pick up a cool shirt. You get clothes. You get your clothes, your spiritual clothes on when you're baptized into Christ. Let's go a little further. Paul is now saying, he's, he's recounting the story of his own conversion. He says, and now what are you waiting for? He gets told that. He gets, he gets told, Paul, what are you waiting? He's telling the story back to one of the governors. Get up! Be baptized! And wash your sins away calling on His name. This is Paul telling his own conversion story that I was told to get up, get baptized, and wash my sins away. And he did it. Paul is sharing his own conversion. And Paul wrote the New Testament. So what we don't want to do is grab one little verse of the Bible that says, see, these don't really coincide. No, they they all have to coincide to the same thing. Because the Bible is from God. So now let's put Peter and Paul together on the same plate. This is what Peter said in Acts 2.38. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, right, from now into the future, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And look what Paul says. He tells the story. And now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on His name. They both... Say the same thing. You may have been exposed to passages in the Bible that need explaining, but not to explain away this. There are things in the Bible that you need to, you need some better understanding on. There are some hard things in the Bible that you may not know what that means. But this is the premise. This is the main foundation about someone becomes darkness into light.
And if you're sitting here today thinking to yourself, wow, it's a pretty awesome study. How do I get in the light? The good news is, with that attitude, you're well on your way. Mm-hmm. It's those of us who, who, who are stuck in our, in our, in our own pre, uh, di- uh, predispositions. And I was stuck there. And I was glad that, that uh, Ernie Basuto was persistent in getting me to sit down and study. So what I want to encourage you, if you are studying the Bible with us, uh, take this to heart. It's, it's, now it's about uh, talking about your sins, and it's about repenting of your sins. Because repent is a big thing. Repent. Now, are you going to repent of every single little bitty evious? No, no, no. It, it, is, it is a de- decision to go, and I am changing my life. Amen. You know, when I repented 21 years ago, and, and I look at myself now 21 years later, I'm like, man, I have a whole lot of sin to left go to repent of. I mean, there are things I repent of now that in 20 years I'm going like, man, I had, I had so much sin that I still didn't repent of. You know, it's in the moment what, where you're at now. I, I realize I have more pride after 21 years than what I had when I was 22 years old. I thought I was super humble, right? But I was really prideful. But I, I know that later. So don't, don't worry about every single little nook and cranny of sin. It's a decision that you want to change your life. And that is how you go from darkness to light. Thanks for coming.